Horrible double murder. Keeping the convicts in hot water. Found dead in her room. Crimes of the Archer Gang. Cowardly assault on an officer. And the verdict we've been waiting for? The Parsons trial verdict. And more crime news in A Year of Crime was reported in the newspapers of West Tennessee. Please be aware that some articles published in 1886 used language that we find offensive today. It was my decision to report the articles as written during that time in the belief that we must tell the truth about our history. Horrible Double Murder, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, March the 9th. A horrible double murder and a robbery were committed yesterday at the farmhouse of John T. Everhart near Lickingville in the northern part of Clarion County. A boy in the family returning from school found Mrs. Everhart lying on the floor with her throat cut from ear to ear and her mother, Mrs. Gilfillan, in the spring house, also with her throat cut and life extinct. The house had been ransacked and $300 taken. Chattanooga, Tennessee, a pitched battle in the dark with burglars, special to the appeal. Chattanooga, Tennessee, March the 9th. A very sensational and highly exciting battle in the dark occurred last night at Dayton, Tennessee, 40 miles above here. It was learned that a gang of professional burglars had arranged a plan to rob a leading jewelry house in the Cincinnati Southern Depot and Post Office. The officers were lying in wait, and when the burglars got within the building, they were ordered to surrender. They showed fight, and a regular battle ensued. About 40 shots were exchanged, and the building completely riddled, but no aim could be taken in the pitchy darkness. Finally, the thieves retreated, ran to the river, and were soon lost. The country is up in arms and on the search. Keeping the convicts in hot water, Louisville, Kentucky, March the 9th. A special to the Times says, The company of soldiers guarding the convict camp at the Greenwood Mines in Pulaski County, Kentucky, had a lively time of it last night. The free miners occupied the adjacent hills and kept up a continued shooting all night. No shots were fired into the camp, but the convicts were badly frightened, and the soldiers with drawn guns kept guard till this morning when the miners disappeared. A London Procurist Jailed, London, March 9th. Louisa Hart, a rich Procurist of the West End, was today committed for trial on a charge of providing young girls for a number of aristocratic patrons. The woman's business had grown so bold and offensive that the police felt constrained to suppress it, but despite their best efforts, they were unable until recently to secure evidence that would convict. The arrest of Mrs. Hart has caused a sensation in the certain circles, and gossip bandies about many names of titled debauchers as likely to be identified with the business with which the woman has grown rich. And here's the verdict we've been waiting for, the Parsons case. Birmingham, Alabama, verdict in the Parsons case, deputy marshal in trouble. Special to the appeal. Birmingham, Alabama, March 9th. The case of Bennett Parsons, supposed to have been murdered by his wife Nancy and daughter Josephine, was argued nearly all day today and late this afternoon was given to the jury. Early tonight, a verdict of guilty of murder in the second degree was returned as to both women and punishment being fixed at 21 years imprisonment. Lawyers for the defense say they will probably appeal. In the United States, a verdict for 10 days imprisonment and $60 fine was returned against J.M. Dillard of Etowah County for extorting from three men in his county by representing himself to be a revenue officer when really deputy marshal. The matter has very much the look of a case of hush money from scared moonshiners, but Dillard's victims denied that they had any hand in any such business and were actually acquitted of that charge at the last term of court. The police court. 
the disposition of cases in that tribunal yesterday morning. John Henry Sledge and Mike Muckleville, up on charge of vagrancy, were discharged. George Dahl, vagrancy, discharged. The next case was that of M. Levy, Judy Gabay, and Marks Rose, who were charged with assault and battery, were told to put up a forfeit of $10 and appear for trial tomorrow morning. F. H. Gleason, for vagrancy, was told that a little work would not hurt him, and he was fined to the extent of $3. James Downey, a vagrant, fined $3. James Marshall, same charge, was given $3. F. H. O'Brien was fined $10 for vagrancy. James Maddox, vagrancy was the charge placed against him, and he was fined $10. Ben LeGrant, for carrying concealed weapons, was fined $50 and bound over to the state. Jenny Brown, violating health ordinance, was fined $10, $6 of which was held up on promise of cleaning premises. Augusta Marco and Antonio Ferra, two Italians who were up on the charge of vagrancy and were given strict orders to go to work or leave town and were discharged upon promising to go to work. C.D. Williamson, a plain drunk, was given the usual dose of $2 and the cost. Charles Randolph, plain drunk, was fined $2 and the cost. George Harp, for wife whipping, was fined $25, $15 of which was held up during good behavior. Gus Walker, charged with assault and battery, had his case continued. John Jones, assault and battery, was fined $5. M.M. M. Daly, violating health ordinance, was discharged as his premises were found to be in good sanitary condition. A little side note to these police court cases, a wonderful book called Bill Street Dynasty talks about these cases where people were brought in on a continual basis and fined these small amounts of money. Then the money that the city collected from these small fines were used to actually improve the city of Memphis. Pretty amazing story. It's a great read. It's Bill Street Dynasty. Female Browns. The Trouble, a quartet, gave a deputy sheriff yesterday. A capius was issued yesterday based on an indictment by the grand jury for females by the name of Brown, and the wit drawn up in that shape was handed the officer for execution. After cudgeling his brains for some time in a futile effort to guess the identical Browns wanted, he made the following written return. The within capius commanding the sheriff of Shelby County to take the bodies of, quote, four females of the name of Brown, unquote, came to hand March 8, 1886. By reference to Dow City Directory for 1886, I find that there are 30 theme souls of the name of Brown in the taxing district alone, and there are probably as many more in the county outside of the corporate limits of the city. Besides, there are doubtless several hundred females by the name of Brown in Shelby County who are femme coverts. By reason, therefore, of the uncertainty as to which four of the brigade of females by the name of Brown residing in Shelby County, Shelby County, I am commanded to take, I return this wit not executed for want of certainty. Dean Pope, D.S. Found dead in her room. Sensational murder mystery at Toledo, Ohio. Attempt to lynch a brutal officer. Crimes of the Archer Gang. Toledo, Ohio, March 9th. A sensational shooting occurred yesterday into which investigation tends to deepen the mystery. The victim, Miss Emily French, was found dead in the residence of Mrs. John F. Parsons on Bancroft Street, where she had been employed for some time. At first, suicide was thought, but the ugly bullet hole in her left temple, the position in which she was found, and the fact that no powder burn is noticeable gives rise to the theory that a repetition of the recent murder in this city has been committed. 
The body of the girl was found in a bedroom of Mrs. Parsons where much jewelry was kept, which adds to the theory that some of the public plunderers, having gained access to the house, shot the girl to avoid detection. No articles are as yet missing, but this fact does not weaken the murder theory. Attempt to lynch a brutal officer, Des Moines, Iowa, March 9th. About 200 men assembled in the jail yard last night, clamoring for Schaefer, a special officer, who clubbed an old man named Doer Sunday night while searching his house for liquor. Schaefer was arrested but taken out of town for safety. Soon after midnight, Deputy Sheriff Compton told the crowd that Schaefer was, was not in the jail but refused to take them in. Thereupon, they attempted to break in and raid the jail. They broke the outside door when several shots were fired and the crowd fell back. Deputy Sheriff Compton, who was on the inside, was shot, the bullet glancing off his head, inflicting only a slight wound, and his brother, also a deputy sheriff, was shot in the hand. After several shots were fired, a detachment of the governor's guard with loaded guns arrived and scattered the mob. As Schaefer's whereabouts were unknown, the rioters dispersed and no further trouble is apprehended. Crimes of the Archer Gang, Vincennes, Indiana, March the 9th. A special dispatch arrived by Vincennes paper from Shoals, Indiana, says that the reason the mob in the Archer case did not carry out the projected lynching Saturday night was that John Lynch, one of the notorious Archer Gang, was expected to make a full confession and that this fact was communicated to the leaders, leaders of the mob. Lynch has now made the promised confession, and although its contents are strictly guarded by the authorities, it is understood that he tells in detail all the crimes committed by the gang. In his story of the murder of Anderson Bunch, he says that the poor victim was terribly tormented for eight hours and finally riddled with 17 bullets. The confession will convict the entire party of murder in the first degree. Lynch promises to take the authorities over the ground where the bodies of the gang's victims are buried, and a thorough investigation of the truth of his statements will be made. Regular listeners will remember this story about the death of Mrs. Mitchell, whose body was found in Silver Creek. Both held for murder. Lebanon, Illinois, March 9th. Mrs. Clark, who was suspected of complicity in the death of Mrs. Mitchell, whose body was found in Silver Creek last week, has made a confession that clears up the mystery. She says that Mitchell informed her more than a year ago that he was in love with her and wanted to get rid of his wife. She did not encourage his intentions and told him to stay at home and take care of his family. A couple of days after Mrs. Mitchell's disappearance, Mitchell came to her and told her that he had smothered his wife in bed with a blanket and carried her body to the creek where it was found. He said he did it because he did not love her and asked Mrs. Clark to marry him, which she says she did not promise. The coroner's jury held both Mitchell and Mrs. Clark for the murder. Cowardly Assault on an Officer, Miamisburg, Ohio, March 9th. William F. Howell came to this town yesterday and after cashing a forged check for $270, proceeded to do the town. The forgery was discovered and the marshal hunted Howell up. He resisted the officer, but the latter finally succeeded in getting him into a cell in the station house. Just as the marshal released his hold, the fellow drew from his pocket a knife, which he slashed diagonally across the marshal's face from the eye to the lower jaw, cutting through the nose and laying open the face. The marshal fell to the ground unconscious and was removed by several citizens. He is in a dangerous condition. An attempt was made to disarm the prisoner, who was flourishing a revolver, a revolver and a knife, but without success. He threatened to kill the first man who approached. 
Great excitement prevailed, and an excited mob, 500 strong, soon gathered about the cell, but was afraid to approach. The volunteer fire department was called out, but the cell containing the prisoner flooded, and the desperado finally subdued. He was removed to Dayton at midnight, as lynching was feared. Six Years Imprisonment, Atlanta, Georgia, March 9th. The Supreme Court today affirmed the decision of the court below in convicting George T. Jackson of Augusta on the charge of embezzling $117,000 of the funds of the Enterprise Cotton Factory of which he was president. Jackson will go to the penitentiary for six years. The court also decided in favor of the prohibitionist appeal which grew out of the recent local option election cases in the county. Frequent listeners will also remember this story about the Broadway Railway franchise. Albany, New York, March the 9th. The Railroad Committee, which has been investigating the methods by which the franchise of the Broadway Surface Railroad in New York City was obtained today, made its preliminary report to the Senate. The committee are unanimously of the opinion that the franchise was procured from the Board of Aldermen of the City of New York by bribery and corruption and urged that summary justice be meted out to the guilty parties and also that the fruits of their criminalities be taken from them. The committee over four bills designated to restore this franchise and property to its rightful owners. And that's the Crime News for the 10th of March, 1886. Please join me again for the next episode of A Year of Crime as reported in the newspapers of West Tennessee.